speak. Uh, the board and I were, were putting the last pieces together. But basically what we've got happening is we are starting another uh, language group church here within our church. We are going to be having a Russian church, um, and they're going to be meeting on Saturday afternoons, evenings, Saturday early evenings. And uh, it will all be in Russian. They are going to have translation and stuff like that. But, uh, but it's going to be in Russian. We've got, there's a, um, it, it started with, there's an Assembly of God church in a Russian Assembly of God church in South Denver, um, actually central Denver. And they have people from Springs and from Pueblo uh, that are driving up for their services. And so we thought well, it, it would be, it would make sense to have something more south down here, uh, Springs, Pueblo kind of thing. And so uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a Russian church here, and then the Springs and Pueblo people can connect together, and then eventually we would like to see a um, a uh, Russian church in Pueblo too. But we don't we don't know exactly how many Russians there are in, in uh, Pueblo. Uh, we know there's some, but uh, we think there's about five to six thousand Russians in Colorado Springs, and so we we want to try to help minister to that and reach that. So we're gonna introduce the pastor to you. Um, uh, either next week or the week after, I think, what we're going to do. And then they'll start meeting, uh, most likely, unless there's something that, that, that comes up that puts a bump in this in the next week or two, which we don't anticipate happening. But they'll start meeting October 3rd, which is Saturday here at the church. And uh, so it's exciting. It's, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's just to me, this is the way. And, and so the, this, this group of people, were, we were talking back and forth. We've been talking back and forth quite a bit. And they, uh, it's the same with our Hispanic church. We're not, we're not charging people to, to use this. We're not charging church. We do charge some people to use our building, okay? If they're making money, we charge them uh, for this. But the, the Russians asked us, they, um, I, I, I'm not trying to, to overdo this, but some of the Russian stereotypes were kind of true, right? Very not trusting, <laughs> you know, those kind of things. And they said, we, will, we don't need anybody's help. We can do this. And, um, and I said, but uh, because they were saying, why can't we pay you? And I said, well, this doesn't make sense. We, we have missionaries. We've got a missionary on the board out there, the Edwards, that we give money to so they can go to Russia to minister to Russians. Why would we charge you to minister to Russians? It doesn't make sense. And so uh, we're excited about this, though. So be thinking about that, praying about that. If you have any desire to, to if you know Russian, you're welcome Come to the services. We actually have three people in our church that that speak Russian, and uh, I didn't I didn't realize that. But um, I did want to show you a video too. And this is uh, have you guys heard of um, a guy named Jimmy Lai? Have I heard of him? You may I may recognize him more than have heard of him. He is a uh, a uh, Chinese businessman. He's a billionaire, and uh, and he has been uh, on the front lines of the protests and the, the pushback against uh, China, the communist government of China, because they're trying to take all the free speech and the freedoms away. They're trying to pull Hong Kong back into China and make it um, under communist control again. And, and, uh, and they're not being successful, and a lot of reasons is guys like Jimmy Lai, specifically Jimmy Lai. And uh, so I, I want to show you a little, few videos, and then I'll uh, say some things, but uh, let's look at this. I'm Peter Robinson. An introduction of Jimmy Lai. A native of mainland China, Jimmy reached Hong Kong in a fishing boat as a stowaway at the age of 12. 
By the time he was in his 20s, he owned his own garment factory. And by the time he was in his 30s, he had established the international clothing company, Giordano. After the Tiananmen massacre in 1989, Mr. Lai founded a media company to publish pro-democracy magazines and newspapers in Hong Kong and then in Taiwan. In the democracy protests that swept Hong Kong last year, Mr. Lai, now in his 70s, insisted on marching in front where the authorities could see him. The last time we spoke this past spring, Mr. Lai vigorously opposed the new national security law that Beijing was then threatening to impose on Hong Kong. At the beginning of this summer, Beijing did impose the new law, imposed it. Hong Kong was not given a chance to read the text until the law was put into effect. And then on August 10th, some 200 police raided Mr. Lai's offices, handcuffed him, and then before taking him away, walked him around the floor of his newsroom so that all his journalists would see what was happening. Now, out of prison, on bail, Mr. Lai is awaiting trial. Jimmy, thank you for... So, we're gonna, I've got to a prison. couple other videos I want to show you, but I want to mention this. So, I, I went to China in, uh, a while back, and um, while I was, the, the two of the people that went with us to China were were uh, obviously older people, and they had been um, part of the Cultural Revolution back in the 1960s. And they would explain to our group that was going through China, we were doing a bunch of uh, medical stuff and ministry stuff, and they said one day we were a free country, and the next day we were not a free country. And they said this is how it happened, and you can actually Google this. I've, I've done this, there's plenty of video stuff out there that will actually show you videos and pictures of these things happening. They said what happened is the government started coming in and attacking businesses with young people. And they would have young people come in and attack businesses, bust into them, burn them down. And then they would have um, uh, this, this same group. And these were all paid by the government. These same groups of people would, um, would lambast the, the, uh, the Chinese people that did not agree with this cultural revolution, the government taking over. And... And, and imposing communism. And, and you, can, you can see these. They would put dunce hats, big, long dunce hats, on top of the head of these uh, Chinese businessmen, women, and uh, parade them through the streets and make fun of them and yell at them and scream at them, and they would attack them in restaurants, and they would yell and scream, and they'd sit there and yell and scream at them and talk about how they, they have too much money and they're destroying our country because they're capitalists and all this kind of stuff. You know, the exact same things that are happening in our country right now. The exact same things that are happening in our country right now. Okay, let's continue to watch this. Going to prison could be your destiny, and if it is your destiny, it is God's blessing. Did, did I hear you correctly? Yes. So your faith, your faith is a central part of all this. Well, I, I think that's the central part of this, because without the faith... I think I will, I will have fear. You know, I'll have the psychological burden on me so heavy that, you know, any stupid thought I would have. Listen you know, to what he's saying. Escape. Or the idea that it is, it is his faith that keeps the fear from happening. The fear is how he is trying to be controlled by the government. I really do believe that we're going to see in November, we're going to see the first time in the history of America, a non-peaceful um, 
potential of a transition of power. Whether Trump gets elected or he does not get elected, we are not going to see this go down peacefully. For the first time in our history, this is not going to happen peacefully. And here's the sad thing. The scary thing for me is we have plenty of examples all over the earth where this has happened multiple, multiple times. One day they are a free people. The next day they are not a free people. And all of the things that our society is doing right now is exactly what it looks like in every single country prior to a complete uh, transition and takeover into some kind of co uh, communism or Marxism or something like that. Let's look at one more clip. If I knew I'm enough sleeping on the floor and you went straight in person, would I have changed what I have done? And my question is very quick, no. This is my character. This is the way I am. I never try to do anything for the society, for anything, for myself, or whatever. It's just some natural impulse that I came out and do what I have done. And if this is my character, and my character is my destiny, and if it's my destiny, it's God's blessing. I can't change it. You know, if now giving myself, I, I come to think as a redemption of myself. You know, by giving myself, I feel the happiness of redemption. I think this is the way I accept my fate. There's this, you can go to Hoover Institute, you can see the whole interview, it's about 45 minutes, solid, solid interview. The, the man is amazing, I've been watching him for about a year and a half as all this stuff has been unfolding, I'm, and I saw when he was put in jail, he is out on bail right now, but they do ask him, this, uh, Robinson asks him later, like toward the end of the interview, he says, you're a billionaire. He, th this guy has spent over 100 million of his own dollars uh, protesting, getting out in the streets and doing these kind of things because they're basically going to um, shut down Hong Kong again and make it communist again. Guys, this is not casual stuff. This is, these are people, these are human beings that are free right now and will not be free in the future. And uh, the, the guy asked him, he says, you're a billionaire. Just go to, go to one of the other mansions you own around the world. Go to, go to an island that you could buy or something. He says, why don't you do that? He said, being a businessman is a tool that God uses to take me somewhere. He said, being a businessman by itself is boring. He said, being a businessman for God, knowing that you have a direction and a purpose. He said, that's the point. He said, my money is about God. It's not about me. My influence is about God. It's not about me. God raised me up for this. And he said, I would much rather do what God says than just be a businessman. Powerful, powerful interview. Now... Um, I, I, so in looking at this, you know, I, I talked to some people yesterday, uh, I sat on a missions board and we'd gone up to Denver to go to this meeting and two of the people on the missions board said the same thing I've been saying, said that they had got, um, information in the mail that, uh, one of them got an email, one of them got a letter from their healthcare provider that they have been, um, tested positive for COVID, coronavirus. They said, the problem is, we never got tested. We were never tested, but they have the, the results that says that there's a positive, that they have been tested positive, and that they are, their insurance is looking at whether they need hospitalization and stuff like that. 
Um, I told you about a month, month and a half ago that we have people right here in our church that has experienced the exact same thing. This, guys, this, this, all of this stuff together, this is what I would like to, to ask is not, not the what, the, the, the uh, riots and all those kinds, not the what, not the BLM stuff, not the what, not the COVID, not the masks, not the what. The, here's the question. The biggest question is the why. The why of this? Why are we seeing governors already putting legal teams together right now to make sure that there is not a smooth transition of power um, continuing with uh, Trump being elected president? Why are we seeing governors, and they're coming out on the news and saying they already put a legal team together to make sure that Biden becomes president? Look this stuff up. I'm not making this stuff up. Why is this happening? It's the why. It's not the what. Satan is on the hunt. Satan is trying to destroy. Satan is trying to deceive. He's, trying, he's, he's a liar. He's trying to do all these kind of things because of why. He's got America on the run, and like many places around the world. He's got us on the run because he is setting us up for the next step of what he is doing. This is not about uh, governments. It's not about politics. not about any of this kind of stuff. It's the fact that Satan is being very successful at what he is doing. It's not coincidence that this is happening all around the world at the exact same time. COVID is one piece of it. There's many things that are going on with this. So I was thinking about this. I was praying for my family. I was praying for uh, my kids. I was praying for my, my two grandkids. Um, and I, and I, this just kept moving in my spirit, moving in my spirit. The most important thing that I want to see from my kids, my family, my grandkids, everything, is not be successful in business or life. I mean, those are good things. There's obviously are healthy things, good things, but that's not my heart's prayer when I'm praying for my kids. I don't care whether they are important or famous or wealthy or anything. I don't, those aren't necessarily, those really aren't important to me at all as a parent. But I, I, I pray, and I've been praying, Jesus, I want my children to know you deeply. I don't want them to know about you. I don't want them to go to church, those kind of things. I want them to know you deeply. Things like going to church are results of deep relationship. They're not, they're not the relationship. They're results of it. They're products of it. I've had this question about everything. Living holy. What is living holy? It's a product of a relationship with Jesus. This is where the church got confused some, even when I was growing up, was we pursued the holiness without pursuing the relationship. Well, that becomes legalism because you're pursuing rules, you're pursuing a moral code rather than the giver of the moral code. You following my train of thought? So I want my children to know Jesus. I want them to desperately um, have, to be desperate for a relationship with him, to love him, to draw close to him. Everything else is so secondary. Everything else almost doesn't even matter. I want them to, so this is, this is my heart for this this morning, is with all the stuff going on, all the things that are on the horizon, the stuff that we are knowing, that, that politicians are saying, Trump may win the day of the election, but we will make sure Biden wins in the long term. So we're not going to concede this. Guys, this is, this is scary talk. We've never had this kind of talk before. But again, that's the what. It's not the why. The why is Satan wants to tear you apart. I sat with these people on the board 
meeting yesterday, and their churches, they're all over Denver. We're the only ones that are not from Denver area. And, and um, they were talking about how most of their churches still aren't open in the Denver area, and, and all the people there, their churches have not been open. And this lady went to Kansas, and she had visited her kids, and they went to church in Kansas with their kids. And she said that she just sat in the church and just, just cried, just wept for the first 30 or 40 minutes. She said, I did not realize how much I had missed this and how important this was to me. Guys, we, we, this is what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to hurt and, and undercut what God does and who God is. But here's the reality. Jesus is going to win. That's the reality. Jesus is going to win. Now, here's the key. You decide whether he wins in your life. He is going to win. But you decide whether he is winning in your life, and you decide whether he wins in your life. Jesus wins no matter what, but that doesn't mean he wins in your life, and it doesn't mean that you're on the winning side. You have to make that decision. You have to make a, 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 a specific decision. And your decisions are constantly determining who you are. One decision determines that, determines the next, determines the next. And who you become 10 years from now is a product of decisions. It's not a product of environment. It's not a product of this is your DNA and this is your just how it was supposed to be. It is a product of your decisions. This decision to this decision to this decision to this decision. You are a product of your decision. The first thing I want us to look at, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, what Paul, Paul, this is a witnessing moment when Paul, this is the best witnessing moment in Scripture, in my opinion. Uh, Paul contextualizes, he acculturates this, he does everything amazingly wonderful. But rather than us look at it from, say, okay, I'm a Christian, this is an example of witnessing, which is, is good. What I would like us to do is, is, in our heads, just kind of make a little switch and say, what if I'm one of the guys sitting there listening and I don't know who Jesus is? What is Paul telling me about Jesus? How is Paul witnessing to me? Let's let Paul witness to us. You say, well, I'm a Christian. But obviously, get in your head, this is what Paul is trying to tell me. Because the first thing is that we have to establish in our life, our heart and mind, and never deviate from this. Jesus is who we're looking for. You may think you're looking for all kinds of other things. You may think you're looking um, for, for the, the, the next job thing, the next money thing, the next position thing, the whatever. But, but really what you're doing is you're looking for Jesus. You just don't know it sometimes. This is something that gets in my head regularly. Is I realize that this feeling I'm having or this, this, um, this um, longing or this emptiness or this, this um, feeling that maybe I'm not there wherever there is. I, I realize it's because I need to get close to Jesus. I need to get in with him. I, I am looking for Jesus. Let's see, Jesus is the only one that can bring peace and comfort and, and, um, and his, his, uh, um, his uh, spiritual covering that makes us right with God, that makes us whole and gives us this mentality. That can only come from Jesus, but sometimes we don't process that. We, we think we're searching for all this other stuff. And Paul says in Acts 22, he comes up to these um, this was a very common thing you, that, that they would get out and they would, um, they would sit around in the community areas and, and they would debate back and forth and they would discuss. They would philosophize. This is where this, is where this generation started. I mean, this is where this, this generation started this for the rest of the world for, for then on. They were starting something that was new in a societal context is this philosophy back and forth, debating, discussing, these kind of things. So Paul... Standing before this council of people that are sitting there uh, discussing and doing this, 
He addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your, your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. And, and <clears throat> the way Paul says it is, you worship him without knowing. I think really what he's saying is, you are, you are looking for him, but you don't know it. Not just worshiping him, because they're, they're worshiping all these different gods, and then they have one that says to an unknown God. But what he's saying is, the reason you're worshiping all these gods is because you're looking for the one true God you hadn't found him yet. That's why you have all of these multiple gods. Because you haven't found him yet. So you keep adding more gods. Maybe that'll help. Maybe that'll take away the emptiness. Maybe that'll bring um, solidity to your life. Maybe that'll, that'll bring that comfort into your spirit. And he says, you're worshiping him, but you just don't know it. You really, you're searching for him, and you, don't, and you don't know it. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Now, everything he says from here on, this sentence, and everything he says from here on out, <clears throat> attacks the basic concept of what they are doing. They believe in a, in a pantheon mentality. They believe in a, in, a, uh, in a collection of gods kind of mentality. And so everything he's saying now is countercultural into their world and into their mindset. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. That was extremely countercultural mentality. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. I've read a bunch of different stuff. I've been looking at this from a lot of different point of views, and there's, there's a handful of ideas that, that I think are kind of in the realm of, of uh, legitimacy when it comes to why is our country doing what it's doing? Why are we... Why are we chasing so hard after socialism right now? Why is that something that, is, that, we, are, that we are pursuing? And, uh, and there's some different reasons that people have. But, but let me give the spiritual foundation. I think there are definitely uh, financial, political reasons. But, but here's the spiritual foundation of it. It's because we're so hungry for truth and reality that we will struggle and fight and strive and do whatever. And when we don't find it, we will keep looking, keep creating, keep doing other things. I sat and watched this guy put a collage together, watched these um, um, pe people being attacked verbally, sometimes physically, but mostly verbally in public places, be sitting at a, at a, at a seat in an outdoor restaurant, and, and this um, uh, BLM mob will come around them and just start screaming at them. Scream. They don't know these people. They don't know anything about them. They don't know how they think about any kind of people group or anything, and they will sit and scream at them and spit on them, knock their food off the table. And you can watch video after video after video right now that that's going on, on all over the United States. Now, here's the thing. My first reaction is um, I could take care of this in about 10 seconds. I, I could fix this in about 10 seconds. But here's the reality of it. And this is what I talked about this some Wednesday night. And the Lord's really been convicting me about making sure that I am walking in the love of Christ for these people. These guys are complete morons that deserve their, their butts whooped all over the place. That's the reality. But, but that's not the way Jesus looks at it. <laughs> and there's the convicting part. I've got to love these people. They're wrong. They're, they're, they're walking in evil, demonic evil. 
but I still have to love them because inside of that person is a soul that needs Jesus Christ. Everything on the outward, horribly wrong. But there's still a soul that Jesus Christ died for inside that individual. And, that, and that's, where, that's where it keeps just coming back to me and keep coming back to me. Jesus is the one who's done this for all of us. Jesus is the one who's done this for all of us. There is, there, there is a base of, of, of existence that is called humanity where we are sinners, that we are evil. And that we're going to strive toward these things. Uh, humanity strives toward the destruction. The destruction of things like governments. Our, 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 um, our America is crumbling and crashing right in front of our eyes. This, this has happened many, many times in history. Many times in history. But there are still people that need Jesus Christ, regardless of what happens with government. Now, I know that's a difficult thing. I'm, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that as a statement that I know is true, but I'm struggling to really get behind and struggling to process this. I can't imagine letting a, a group of thugs come up and scream at my wife sitting at a table at a restaurant. I can't, and, and me just sit there and not do anything? But here's the truth. That's a soul inside that person. Now, the outside may need some whooping, but inside there's a soul. I'm trying to figure out how do I do both. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Let's go for that. Okay, so. See, now here's, here's where it is. Verse 27, and this is the key. This is why our country is in so much turmoil right now. This is why we have, we literally have governors that are saying, that babies should be killed even after birth and still call it abortion. I don't even know how you do that. You know, Colorado is one of seven states in the United States that abortion is legal to the day before they give birth. Nine months pregnant, fully nine months pregnant, and you can have an abortion the day before your birth. And we've got governors, city officials, state officials, that will defend this vehemently. We've got churches now that are standing up and defending this and saying this is God's will. We've got pastors all over the nation. Google this. It's not one or two. It's many pastors across the nation that are saying we will fight for the right to have abortions because that's God's plan. So why? Because we are evil people. And we are trying to build our own evil kingdoms. And here is actually the spiritual reason. This is the purpose. Verse 27, his purpose is the Lord. God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Do you know that that's a worldwide thing? And it's not limited to now. It's also down through any time in history. God wants people to find him. He's not hard to find. He's not hiding. But he wants people to find him. And when you cannot find him, and you're searching and seeking, and you cannot find him, because you're not searching the right places, you're, you're walking in rebellion, all kinds of reasons, many reasons, you will continue to look, and there will become an unsettledness in your spirit. That's where Satan begins to manipulate, oppress, and even possess, take over. And, and then Satan has his will and his way and his power. 
That's why you can drag people into the streets and beat them till they are dead because they wear a Trump hat. That's demonic. That's evil. His purpose is that they find him. They find him. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You know, I talked with our pastors in India. This was a couple weeks ago. One of our pastor's daughter, Jessia's daughter, has chicken pox. And I learned something I had never heard, didn't know this, had never heard this before. And uh, he said, pray for my daughter. I said, okay, we'll pray God will heal her of chicken pox. And he said, just pray that. But also pray that this, that this, about the spiritual side of it. I said, what do you mean the spiritual side? And I thought he meant, you know, sickness is something that Satan tries to mess with us with. And that's true. And, but, but that's not what he was saying. He said, in Hindu culture, and specifically in the area that you see us from, when a child gets chicken pox, they believe that a spirit has entered that child and they will come to the house of that child and they will bow down in front of that child and ask that spirit to, um, to uh, bless them. And if they get chicken pox, that's proof that the spirit has blessed them. And he said, we don't want people bowing down to our daughter and asking these things. That one caught me off guard. For a few seconds, like, they do What? Because you realize how dark the world is? How dark that Satan has made the planet? But here's the importance. This is why when Jesus says that you are a light and, you're, and that the gospel is a light, you're not supposed to hide that light under a bushel. I don't think he's totally talking about the gospel there. I think he's talking about you. Don't hide yourself under a bushel. You're the light. The word of Jesus is light. We're supposed to be light in this world. Light in this society. And this board that I met with yesterday, they were saying the same things. They said the most discouraging thing that they have seen over the last six months is how the church has just laid down and rolled over. I, I, I'm the only one that's a pastor. None of those other people are pastors. And they said, how do we get our pastor's attention and tell him, stop buying into all this stuff? Stop buying into whatever society is saying and having this, this goofy little rally or this, this uh, specific um, uh, quarantine. All this. How do we get our attention? I said, you're not going to get their attention. These pastors are making decisions that are based upon not what's in your best interest as a spiritual person following Jesus. They're making their decisions based upon a lot of other stuff, upon money, upon liability, upon fear. They're making it. I said, you can't change them. I said, but what does that stop you from getting four or five people together in your house and having a prayer meeting? You, don't try to change your church of 500 people. Change your next door neighbor. Don't try to change your pastor. Change your neighbor. Call, call three or four families in the church that are, are desperate for having church and have church. You don't have to have a church building. You don't have to have a professional uh, pastor to do this stuff. Have church in your house. You've got family? Call your family over. Pray, worship, talk about God's word, get it out and discuss it. You don't have to have a professional church service. We've convinced ourselves of that in America. Now, I'm not trying to convince anybody here we shouldn't. I think we should. It's called job security. But 
Guys, you know at the end of the day, I, what I, I'm serious about this. I joke, but I, I would love to see people all through our church and all through the community having church services at their house. Just because the government makes an illegal law and shuts down churches does not mean you have to be a part of it. Have church. You say, well, all of our friends are scared to death and none of them will come. This is one of the statements that somebody said yesterday. And I said, so you, you, it's you and a, and, a, and a wife. Have church. Have church. You don't have to have 50 people or two or more gathered. He'll be there. Have church. As God has put it within us to search for him, to seek for him. Do that. He said, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. That's the truth. We cannot get away from it. This is about repentance. This is about us serving Jesus Christ. For he has set a day of judging the world with justice by the man he is appointing. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. And this judgment and justice thing, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there you can go and look at. It has to do with this. Um, I do believe this is part of it. I don't, I don't believe it as strongly as some of the things that are out there. But I do believe that God is judging us right now as a country. We've been murdering babies for too long. And we've been playing all this stupid sexual games across our country with gender, identity, and all this stupid stuff. We've been doing this too long, and Jesus is judging our country. But I think this, and this is important. In fact, Bob just said this to me this morning. He said, I think this is happening because God is trying to get our attention to repent. He's not trying to destroy us. He's trying to get our attention so we repent as a country. Yes, yes, yes. This is going to keep happening. It's going to get worse and worse unless we repent. The, 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 the sad part about it is, six months from now, a year from now, when all this stuff has happened, and, and, and there's going to be a lot of people across our country who go, well, I just didn't believe this could happen. I know. We should have repented. That's, the only, that's our only hope at this point. His repentance. That's what he's trying to do with you. He's trying to do with me. He's trying to do with our society. But instead of repenting, we're out burning buildings down. I, I mentioned this again Wednesday night. This man, this one convicted me too. The, the, the uh, mayor of Seattle, I think it was, or Portland, I guess, um, they were burning all these buildings down, doing all this stuff, and he's been propagating, he's been pushing the BLM riot mentality, he's been encouraging people to get it. Has, so has many other uh, Democrat leaders. Kamala Harris, all these other people. You, you, you don't have one Republican out there saying, let's burn buildings down. But you have many Democrats saying that. It's saying, you quote them. Let's get out in the streets and let's riot. This is our right. And then they call it reparations. And then they went to his house and attacked his house and burnt his house down. And he was sad and he called up the police and he called up the National Guard. Now, here's the conviction part for me. I was like, you deserve it, you idiot. And then the Lord said, um, but I've told you that love does not keep a record of wrongs and that love also does not like injustices. I'm like, yeah, but God, you saw, I mean, you, you can see all this, right, God? I mean, 
God's really been convicting me. If, if that guy deserves it, that's God's business. That's not my business. My responsibility is pray for that dude's soul. Pray for his soul. Because the reason he's acting like that is because he's not a Christian. He's acting like he's supposed to. He's acting like sinners act. He's acting like people that don't have hope and don't have the blood of Jesus are acting. I'm supposed to pray for his soul. The second thing, Jesus gives us authority and power in the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. These few scriptures right here are scriptures that I think Christians read all the time, but we don't really believe them. We want to believe them, and we believe that they are true, but we don't believe that they are actively true in our life right now. Look at this. Do you, ask yourself, do you really believe that you can do all the things that Jesus has done and even greater things? Read through the scriptures, all the things he's done. You can do those. Those are the foundation. Those are the starting point. Those aren't the, those aren't the apex of the climb. Those are the starting points. Do you believe that you can do those things? Because that's what he says. That's what he says. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus did these things, and you can do these things. And then he says, and you can do even greater things. So the starting point is all the stuff in the New Testament. We, we struggle even getting near the things in the New Testament, much less getting to greater things. So, so here's a question you have to ask. I have to ask this myself. You have to ask it of yourself. Do I really believe this stuff? You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. We, we know what the words say, but do we believe this? Is this a life direction for us? If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, and he leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Because they're not being led into truth by the Holy Spirit. That's why they can't recognize Jesus. They can't recognize the things of the, of the Word. They can't recognize truth because they're not going after the Holy Spirit. You can't just be and hope truth happens. You have to pursue. You have to pursue the Lord. You have to pursue the, the, uh, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit regularly. Praying in the Spirit regularly is your only hope for truth. This, this, he's showing us this stuff. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And he's obviously talking about Acts chapter 2. The difference between the Holy Spirit living. This is, this is where much of the church in today's America, the, the Holy Spirit is living with them but not in them. That's, that's the major dividing thing. And that's why, that's why we're crumbling. I'm talking about the church. I'm not even talking about the country. You guys know, I keep bringing this up, but I, I read this statistic a few weeks ago. I can't get this out of my head. I did not realize, this one floored me. I did not think that this would be true. If you would have asked me how many pastors in America don't believe the Bible is true, <clears throat> these are pastors, I would have said probably 20, 25%. I thought I'd probably be a little high. And the statistic is 76% of pastors in America do not believe the Bible. That is why they are rolling over and taking whatever society tells them to believe. Because they don't believe in the ultimate truth. I could not believe, I can't get that out of my head. That just swirls through my spirit every day. 76% of all pastors 
If 76% of pastors don't believe the Bible, how about the churches they are pastoring? How many people in those churches believe the Bible? I, I, would, I would have to believe some. I would have to believe just because the pastor doesn't, doesn't mean everybody else doesn't. But we understand leadership, it's probably around the same statistics in their church. Because this is why we're caving. This is why we're just rolling over everything. Here's a third part of this. Jesus will never leave you. And this is the important thing. Now, <clears throat> I, I left in verse 5. I was going to start in verse 6. But I left in verse 5 because it, I was reading through it. And I was trying to trim it down. I always come up with a sermon that's about four days long. And I try to trim it down to about two hours. And so I, I was looking at this. But I left the scripture in because it actually shows us something that's a little stronger than what I was originally intending to look at. Hebrews 13, verse 5, he says, Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God says, do you understand? He says that statement, don't love money. Be, be, um, be satisfied with what you have. Because the next sentence is connected to that sentence. And I have always looked at these, this next sentence as a standalone. When people, when people quote it, they always quote it as a standalone. I've always thought about it as a standalone. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Um, King James says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's the way we quote it, right? But here's what he says. Don't love money. Be satisfied with God, what, God has, what, what God has for you. This, this is the thing that I think, and we can use money. We can expand this out quite a bit, right? We understand this. If you really believe that money is going to be what saves you, whatever. I, I, okay, let me, let me explain why this has been rolling my spirit so much. So I'm getting calls. There's the texts, emails, all kinds of things. People are asking all these questions. So what happens um, at the election, all this other kind of stuff? Should we stockpile food? Should we stockpile whatever? Uh, should we go get guns and ammunition and all these other kind of things? Um, honestly, I don't think you're wrong by doing that, okay? So what if you have a bunch of extra cans of food and nothing happens? I remember Y2K, right? I, I wouldn't buy into Y2K either. In fact, I was kind of hoping it was happening. My bank account was so low, Y2K happens, I gain about 300 bucks. The bank goes away, I'm like, woo, dodge that one. So um, I wouldn't buy into that, but people were buying food and wanted to do it. I said, it's not going to hurt you. It's not like you can't eat that afterwards. Right? So here's the thing for me, and this, is, this has always been my heart when it comes to, um, what do you call them when they're the end time? Preppers. Here's my thing with preppers. I think you're putting your hope in something that's not going to last that long. Okay? I'm not saying don't go get food and water. I don't think that's ever a bad idea. But how long can you last? Let's say you have six months worth of food. Somebody finds out. Now you, you better have some guns, too. You're like, all right, I got those also. That's, okay, I get it. I understand. I'm not against those thinking. But at, the, at some point, all of the things that you are putting your money and your energy and your hope in are going to run out. The most important thing is that the Lord will never leave you. The Lord will never abandon you. That's the most important thing. Think about when Paul was being taken to prison in Rome. He didn't have anything to put his hope in. He didn't have, he didn't have lawyers on his side. He didn't have anything. 
But he said, I know I'm doing this because God's called me to do this. This Jimmy Lai interview just got in my head about this stuff. And he keeps saying, guys, it's not about the money that I have. It's not about, it's about the freedom that God has given us as people. And if I can help somebody that doesn't have the resources to have this freedom, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Somebody asked me yesterday at this meeting when they, when they were asking. so Because obviously when the conversation keeps going, they, they eventually ask me, what have you done? Did you, how long did your church stay closed? We never closed. I, I, I get almost, ah, it gets in my head nowadays. I'm like, because they, they think I'm, something's wrong with me. I'm a pariah at that moment. These people didn't. Pastors do. But I said, we never closed. We never made the rules. We never did the stuff. People are adults. They can do what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, we're pursuing God. We're not pursuing stuff. They said, weren't you worried about getting put in jail? I sat down with lawyers and I talked about this. What should I do? Is this, what, what preparation should I make? These kind of things. Guys, I was very willing to go to jail over this. Not, I didn't want to. Nobody wants to go to jail. I've already got a wife. But the, the idea that maybe I could go to jail, okay, I took that into consideration. More than consideration. And I knew long term I would win the fight. Although the more our country going, I'm wondering if I really would have. You follow on that train of thought? Okay, so, guys, at the end of the day, the Lord will never leave us. The Lord will never leave us. So we can say with confidence, the Lord, not our money, the Lord is my helper. Not even our physical health. I think we take that one for granted, too. Well, my, my strength comes from my physical health. Maybe not. Maybe not. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? What can mere governments do to me? Well, they can put you in jail. So what? I'm following Jesus. Well, they can take everything you've got. So what? I'm following Jesus. If they can take everything I've got because I'm standing for Jesus, eventually they're going to find out I'm standing for Jesus and they're going to take everything I've got. Either that or you've got you to stop following Jesus. That's, you don't really have too many options. We think we got lots, but we don't. If you keep compromising your relationship with Jesus so you can keep your existence somewhere, you just sold yourself out to yourself. At the end of the day, it's your relationship with Jesus. That's it. That's it. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith. This is the same thing my one of my closest friends just died this week, yesterday. Um, I'm sorry, Friday. Uh, he was about to be 98. I've talked to him about him before, and I went and saw him a couple weeks ago because I knew he was about to die. And, and in fact, it was funny. He said him and Opal, his wife, she had to have uh, hip surgery. She's only 94. She's young. And um, he said, we talked about it. He said, me and Opal sat down, and we talked about it, and we prayed, and we knew that we weren't going to see each other again until we got to heaven. So we said goodbye, and she went to her surgery. He had to check into hospice because he was breathing. And, uh, but they, they got to where they could be in the same building. They'd been working on this, and they just I think God just did all this. But they couldn't be in the same room, so he was across the hall from her. She had surgery. She's recovering in rehab. He's in hospice across the hall. But they couldn't go see each other. They couldn't cross the hall. They could only talk across the hall. Because, you know, COVID will kill them. So stupid. And he told me, he said, I'm doing everything I can to catch COVID. And I said, Gene, if I'd have known, I'd have brought it with me. 
I'd have gone and, and mouth kissed somebody with COVID just to bring it to you. He said, I just want to go to heaven. And if I can get COVID, he said, but COVID will probably take months to kill me. I, I did not think I would have this conversation with somebody. And then finally a doctor came in to see Opal. And she said, yeah, my husband's across the hall, but they won't let us see each other because of COVID. Oh, that's this stupid lie our country's telling so the doctor said, that's stupid. I'll go and get him brought Gene over just a few days ago. And they got to sit there and talk and pray with each other. And then he just died Friday. Do you realize how stupid we are as a country? She wants to die. She wants to go to heaven. He wants to go to heaven. They wanted to do it before her surgery. And they wouldn't let them talk to each other. They'd been married for 70 years. And they wouldn't let them talk to each other because they'd be afraid to catch COVID. Hmm. I don't know if you know that this irritates me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. Do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace. Not from the rules. Any rules, but he says specifically, not from the rules about food. What does he mean? The dietary laws. The dietary laws don't save anybody. It's a waste of time to try to go down that road. Why? Because it's religion. It doesn't accomplish anything. Maybe it takes your cholesterol away. I don't know, but I don't even necessarily agree with that. But it's not about the rules. It's not about the going to the church. It's not about all the, the rules that we have. It's about pursuing Jesus because he's the same now. He's the same that he's always been, and he'll be the same into the future. Pursue him. The last thing here, Jesus has overcome the world. John 16, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? Verse 31, do you finally believe that the time is coming? Indeed, it's here now when you will be scattered. Each one giving his own way, leaving me alone, scattered away from him. And we see where that happened literally mentally, uh, physically in one moment at the garden. But he's talking much bigger than that. You understand that, right? He says, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. You're going to go through stuff. I believe we're about to go through some major stuff in our country, and I think the church is going to continue to go through stuff. I'm starting to see signs the church is going to stand up. I hope that's the direction we're going because it's about to get a lot worse. I hope that's the direction we're going as the church. If we'll just stand, if the church will just stand, we'll make it. If we cave all over again, we've lost it. I really believe that. I know that's nihilistic, but I really believe that. If the church doesn't make a stand on this next one, we're done. And our country is going to be different. Our church mentalities are going to be different. And we're going to be sneaking around to have church just like China. Just like China. Why don't you stand with me? I... Um, I introduced a song to the church Wednesday night, and, and the reason I did is because it's been just rolling, rolling, rolling in my spirit. I play it on repeat. In fact, is there a possibility, Sam, I don't want to put you off, but can you do that song? Um, this, I've been singing it and singing it. I've just put it on repeat on my phone, and I play it in my stereo. I play it in my office. I play it, I play it all the time. And um, the song is Give Me Jesus. You can have this whole world. It came from an old, old, old song. You can have this world, but give me Jesus. You can have all this stuff, but 
give me Jesus. I just want Jesus. There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff, but I just want Jesus. I need him. I need his spirit, his presence. I need him. Lord, we, we just come before you. You're the king, Jesus. I bow my life to you. My brain, my heart, my existence. I bow my, my family before you. As much, as much authority or whatever that I have there, Lord, I give you my kids. I know they're grown, but Lord, I give you my kids. And I give you my grandbabies. They're in your hands, Lord. I, I, I can't protect them. They're in your hands. I give you my daughter-in-laws. They're in your hands. give you this church as much as much as I can, as much authority as I have in this. Lord, I give you Church of Briargate. We need you. We need you. Holy Spirit, you have your way. You, you have your plans. You guide and lead us. You put your confidence within us. We belong to the King of Kings. I don't have to fear governments. I don't have to fear um, finances. I don't have to fear anything. Jesus, I just have to serve you. So Holy Spirit, get down deep within our, our existence, down deep in our spirit, and chase out all the stuff. Jesus. Chase out all the stuff. And Holy Spirit, you have control. You have the way. Thank you, Jesus. So let's let's uh, finish this by just singing that chorus, if you can, chorus.
this world. Sing it. Strengthen us with your spirit. Strengthen us, Lord. God, I pray for Jimmy Lai in Hong Kong. But it doesn't look good for him right now. But Jesus, you are bigger. Lord, help our country to open its eyes and realize we're right there. leave you with this. Throughout this week, I pray a song similar to that I've been singing also. The cross before me, the world behind me. Everything else, leave it behind. I mean, you still got work, you're still doing stuff, obviously. Get your eyes on the cross and go after that. And I'm praying, I've been praying stronger than ever, Lord, give us opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And I'm hearing this all through our church. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance somebody know Jesus loves them. Realize that that's your priority. And take the, the, take the step, take the initiative, take the moment, and try to tell somebody about Jesus. Because you can have all the world, but Jesus is the point. Jesus is it. So, as you are comfortable, shake somebody's hand. Tell them that you're glad they're here. You can tell them you're glad they're here regardless, even if you don't mean it. Tell them you're glad they're here. And uh, we will see you guys Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.